And I think that the first thing we need to just acknowledge here is, is why this game is going to be so special and important. It's because really, Larry, the Eagles are that good. They are that good. They're on a tear of football right now where they have beaten, you know, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills. They got the 49ers coming up, followed by the Cowboys and the Seahawks. I mean, if they seriously run the gauntlet through that, you can't do anything but tip your cap and just say, Jalen Hurts, you are the quarterback of a bunch of just straight-up gangster winners. And that's that's what they are. They win grimy. They win ugly. All of those nail-biting tests that so many 49ers critics say, I can't take them seriously until they pass these nail-biting tests. And I look, I don't think that that's completely unfounded criticism. But boy, do the Eagles mark the spot like on grimy, ugly winning football. They do it all the time. Every time you look up, they're in a game that could go one way, but always just goes their way. They're, they're, they're a special team. I mean, you, knowing how to win is a skill, and it's a skill that they have. They're loaded. I mean, you know, you saw the kicker. Uh, Elliot, you know, makes one from 59 yards out. Um, you know, just on the back end, James Bradbury did what he does. He had a pick. They had traded for Kevin Byard. Um, he he led the team in tackles. He had 13 tackles, nine solo. How many box scores do you see where four different defenders get double digit tackles? That's what the Eagles had yesterday. Zach Cunningham had 10. Some guy named Reed Blankenship had 11. The former Raider Nicholas Morrow had 12, and Bayard had 13. So that's amazing. They won despite A.J. Brown just having a kind of an eh day. Uh, Devontae Smith was the receiver of choice yesterday, 7 for 106 and a touchdown. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus got into the end zone. The Eagles ran from a six yards of carry. But to me, it all starts and ends with Hurts and that line on both sides. And and Hurts, you know, what can you say? I mean, threw for 200 yards, three touchdowns, but he also ran 14 times for 65 yards and two more touchdowns. So, or actually threw for three. So he had, he accounted for five touchdowns. So, I mean, that's that right there. That's it. Jalen Hurts. And then they didn't have Lane Johnson. They lost now on the good news front. Fletcher Cox went out with a groin injury, struggled mightily to just get to the blue tent. So I got to think Fletcher Cox is either not going to be 100% or won't go. Jalen Carter, I know, had a back injury. He came back in. Uh, Lane Johnson, their star right tackle, also has a groin injury. I would imagine he's going to go this week. But, um, you know, and the Niners roll in feeling good about themselves, playing good ball on their own in their own right, but they need this one. The 49ers have to get this one or, you know, it's a return trip to Philadelphia. I I think more than anything, the 49ers have to go into Philly and really battle them toe to toe win or lose, because even if the Niners win it, they're still going to have to go back there most likely. Um, So it's, they got to kind of show that they can stand toe to toe in Philly's backyard with Philly. And um, even if they don't win the game, they got to, they, they cannot get blown out in this game. If they get blown out next week, then you kind of wonder if uh, they can actually get it done in December or January when it matters. 
Good morning. If you're just joining us, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger with an emergency 49ers wake up. We normally come to you after every single morning, the 49ers play. Obviously, that was on Thursday. We did a 49ers wake up on Friday and agreed that we had to be back here for Eagles week. First thing on Monday morning with the Bay Area's biggest morning show when Larry and I actually do this together where the response has been fantastic. Our channels are growing. Larry, I start this morning with 9,800 subscribers on the dot. So, I mean, Good look, job, man. Good job. Uh, thank you. Building, I can, building. I can even count from there on. I'll know how many we added just today based on it being at 9,800 here. You are exploding. The videos that you do are just being shared everywhere, and it's it's really happening. And, and this is a week where, again, consequences, battle lines are drawn, and you're right. This, this is not a... This is not a, a look-bad week. You can lose a game and still look good. The 49ers need to show the entire NFL world that they can stand there, and Brock Purdy is a difference between getting your, your ears boxed in in Philadelphia or playing the Eagles tight. Now, I'll say this. There's a lot of teams that play the Eagles tight. Like I was watching what the Bills were doing yesterday, thinking that this is a team – you know, I'm, I'm trying to look at the vacuum of the game and then the totality of the season because I think the Bills have an argument that they're the least impressive team in football based on preseason expectations, right? They have not had the season that they wanted to have, but they're still pretty good. And that pretty good football team at times was doing what it needed to do to Philadelphia. I mean, Josh Allen has a receiver break to the back of the end zone instead of inside that game could have been over before Philadelphia even touched the ball in overtime. So there were, I think, a lot of positive signs and a lot of stuff that Kyle can coach through. And you know, you, you know, Larry, that Kyle's got, I, mean, I, I got to go Trent Ball here. He's got an envelope. He's got an envelope of play. <laughs> He's got an envelope of plays that he has been saving for this game. There is an element of this playbook that we haven't seen yet, that Kyle's been saving for this. That's what great offensive minds do. That's what good coaches do. And look, I, I just think that you give Kyle a couple extra days to prepare, things can get dangerous for the opponent. So I got to see the 49ers go in there and win before I'm going to make any big, bold predictions. Like, yeah, the Niners are going to win that game. But I think the Niners can win this game. I really do. I think that they can win this game. I think that they can match the Eagles physically as best as any team in the NFL can make the argument with this is our defensive line against that offensive line. And I know that you have Philadelphia guests coming on your channel this week. I'm doing the same. I'm going to have uh, um, John Kincaid, who is a really good sports talk show host in Philadelphia, joining me tomorrow morning. And what I want to know from all like Philadelphia insiders, guys who were at practice watching, not this year, but last year, what is the tale of the tape in practice between Hargrave and Kelsey? Because so much of the game is going to happen right there. You know, does, does Hargrave have any inside working knowledge of Kelsey and that offensive line that can be a real difference maker for the 49ers defensive line as they get ready for that? I mean, because that's the game right there, Larry, right? I mean, the whole game. You can talk about all the, the quarterbacks and the razzle-dazzle and the wide receivers and the back end of these defenses. It, this game gets decided between the Eagles offensive line and the Niners defensive line. Does it not? 
Well, I mean, it's a huge angle. It's a huge angle. I mean, Kelsey had two false starts when it mattered yesterday. That was very surprising. So I kind of wonder. And then he trotted back to the locker room between the fourth quarter and the overtime. So, you know, it's the time of the year, Damon, where, you know, everybody's hurt. Tell me when you're injured kind of a thing. And uh, so everybody's banged up and we're going to find out. I mean, I think there's several angles on this thing. Um, To me, you know, one of the things that I feel best about is the way that Brock Purdy's playing right now. Um, I, I, I think that's, you know, that's, um, and, and just, you know, how bad the Niners seem to want it. Um, I, I gotta share the screen on this one because this, I did a video on this. This is an amazing play. This was the play of the game for the 49ers against, um, against the uh, against the Seahawks and here it is we'll rewind it back this is you know 28 yard line yeah here we go Purdy drifts left throws a dime to Ayuk right in the middle of four defenders and it's that kind of aggressiveness here it is from the end zone wide and you'll see Purdy with a left-handed drop back flips the hips sees it doesn't hesitate Ayuk and these two guys are in one right now I mean, look at the now this is behind center. Look at the 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 feel that that they have for each other. Um, you know, Purdy sees, you know, him and Ayuk are absolutely in lockstep here. This is a this is a risky play, man. There's four defenders in this box, but he sticks it in there. He's got to put and, it in the perfect spot in order for that to work. Yeah, he's got to put it in the perfect spot, but I mean, you know, there's there's also pressure. He's got pressure off the side here. Hall is about to hit him. And, you know, this also is, you know, look at the the surgically repaired right elbow. Look how close the surgically repaired right elbow comes to getting hit. Oh, it's almost very eerily similar to the Hassan Reddick play in the NFC championship game. I mean, this. So you got Brock who's playing free and he's in lockstep with this awesome receiver who's having a career year, and there you go. I think if, if there's one thing to feel really, really good about, it's Brock Purdy is seeing it, feeling it, and this is his number one guy, and they're on the same page. By the um, way, what is the, the that goofy foot drop back of Brock's where he, he drops back like he's a left-handed quarterback and then flips his entire base for a guy with great footwork that doesn't smack of clinical footwork. You know what I mean? It seems like that's well, unless they're trying to sell the sell that he's going to his offensive left, right? And then he's I mean, coming back right. He's not doing that. That's I guess my point is he's not doing that because he's undisciplined with his feet. That's a choice oh, it's by design. No, it's without by a design. Doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I would like to know more about it. Why it's there? What it's supposed to open up? That's some that's some inside football stuff that maybe you you can you can get to the bottom of in Santa Clara this week. Well, I'll tell you the other thing that I feel really great about. I mean, and this sounds crazy, but Mitch Wisnowski is having a dominating year. He pinned the Seahawks at the thirteen. He pinned the Seahawks at the six. He pinned the Seahawks at the two. I mean, this guy's touch, Damon, inside of. Um, you know, inside of the 20 right now is just absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. So six, the 13 and the two and the Niners on all three phases. You know, the one thing when I did the film review yesterday that stood out, 
on D on, on really all three phases of the game. This is not one guy. This is a total team effort. Shanahan's devising some amazing plays. Purdy's playing off his, all, you know, out of his, out of his gourd right now. He's playing incredible ball. Juwan Jennings had maybe one of the most amazing plays. Charlie Warner is blocking his butt off. CMC is having a career year. Ayuk, Debo, um, I mean, you name it, offensively. Then on special teams, Jake Moody seems to be locked in. Darrell Luter had a had a touchdown saving tackle. Wishnowski pinned those guys back on the inside their 23 times. Ronnie Bell had a fumble recovery. Samuel Womack, Oren Burks. And then when you flip it over to the defensive side, literally, Mooney Ward had one of his best games. Dre Greenlaw, Jair Brown were strong against the run. Ambry Thomas is coming on. Uh, Fred Warner, Dima Lenore had an amazing uh, play on third down to get off the field. Hargrave is rounding into form. Bosa had an amazing tackle on on uh, Charbonnet on fourth and one. Um, I mean, you name it. Armstead and, and Hargrave, since the addition of Chase Young, have taken it to another level. Randy Gregory had a big play. Givens. I mean, it's a total team effort. You know, they, I counted at least 11 or 12 guys on defense that made huge plays in the game on Thursday. Um, lots of different guys contributing on special teams. Lots of different guys contributing on offense. So, I mean, the Niners roll in with some momentum here. Well, and like you said, it's going to take all that momentum and the total team effort to beat a team that, you know, you, you can sit around and talk about the Eagles all afternoon and not really get to Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott. But these are the guys who, you know, in their limited touches or carries, get you five, six yards just about every single time you look up. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift didn't have a big day receiving the ball yesterday out of the backfield, but he can do that. He's their Christian McCaffrey electric level explosive back. And, you, you know, like you said, how often do you see four defenders, all with double-digit tackles, Baird, Morrow, Blankenship, Cunningham. Um, the Eagles are loaded, too. Yeah. You know, absolutely no loaded this football a, team. This, this is, is battles of the, this is a battle of the Titans. It, it reminds me very similarly to the Niners and the Cowboys in the 90s, where you had the Niners and you had the Cowboys and then everybody else. Now, granted, those were the two best teams in all of football. Now, in this era, you still have the AFC with Mahomes, Lamar, uh, some big boys in the AFC waiting for you. But the Niners and the Eagles, the Eagles and the Niners are the two best teams in the NFC. They've been the two best teams in the NFC since training camp. Um, and it's on. And the fact of the matter is it's starting to remind me of Niners-Cowboys 94. Why? Because the Niners had beat, had lost to the Cowboys and they took Ken Norton. The Niners have lost to the Eagles, and they took Javon Hargrave. And now we're going to see if the Niners are are good enough. Um, and even if the Niners get this win, as we said before, it's, you know, if nothing else, a win against the Eagles shows the 49ers that they can go in there under pressure in the cold and beat that team. Um the one thing I do think the 49ers have an advantage on is I think the Niners look a little bit fresher. They look a little bit faster. They look a little bit healthier. There's a little bit more 
bounce in their step. Uh, they looked very fast on that Seattle turf where the Eagles, now granted, it's a slower turf, colder weather, that can make any team look a little slower, but they're starting to show the effects of playing all these extra games. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, Kelsey's a little dinged and Fletcher Cox a little older. And, you know, they've got some, they've got some age. Let's be honest, Fletcher. I mean, and, and here we are, it's November the 27th. We're getting towards the end of the year. Who looks, who looks, you know, kind of vulnerable on the Eagle front, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox. Uh, what do those guys all have in common? A little bit of age. Maybe right? they're a little that, long uh, in the tooth. All the brotherly shoving that they've been doing is, you know, knocking on their door for a little bit. They're, look, when you go out to be the most physical team on the field, it's to, you know, it's to get all over your opponent. But you, your body pays the tax on that. You know, the Eagles have a playing style that they need to survive as much as their opponent does. And when the Niners are cooking, you know, they kind of got the same thing, Larry, that very violent physical level of play. But they have seen, they've, they've seemed regenerated since the bye. I mean, they have. They've played it. They've played a better brand of football. They've looked more dangerous in their three wins post bye than in their five wins pre bye. In my mind, you know, outside of the, you know, outstanding lopsided win over the Dallas Cowboys, um, they're playing some of their best football of the year right now, and that's exactly what they got to do as they go into this Philadelphia game. I, you know, I, I this is. You and I need to have a little talk right here because I need to figure out how much you you place value in something because I'm a big in baseball. I'm a big run differential guy. Right. In in uh in in basketball, there's so many possessions, I value it a little bit less. And in football, I really don't know how to value it because a, a one point win is as good for a team as a 30 point win. It really is. It is a what is your record league more than any other sport. So the 49ers are plus 140 in point differential. Now the Eagles are an NFL best 10 and one, but they're just plus 64. What does that mean? How do you interpret that? Well, I mean, it's, it's um, the, the Eagles have won more close games. The Niners have had more blowouts, um, you know, and, and there's lots of different ways to look at it, right? On one hand, you could say the Niners are a bigger, stronger machine because they've got their defense, the combination of their defense allowing points and their offense scoring points that, you know, they're they're twice as good, more than twice as good as the Eagles. On the other hand, um, there is something to be said for winning the close, hard-fought games, and I think the Eagles are a little bit more battle-tested than the 49ers, um, you know, because they, of, of, of the way they've won games, you know, they, they're, you know, the, the 49ers have, have, have uh, multiple games this year where they could take series off or they could, you know, just kind of uh, play a soft shell defense. Second half against Pittsburgh comes to mind. Um, even the second half, you know, there, there's some of these games, where they've had, um, you know, the Dallas game in the second half. Jacksonville. Jacksonville in the second half, where they don't have to go for four quarters. So, um, you know, on one hand, you could say, man, look, credit the Niners because they have a stronger machine on both sides of the ball. 
and they're more explosive. On the other hand, you could say the Eagles are winning those grimy games and they're more used to winning, you know, the, the one score game. They can play under pressure uh, probably better than the 49ers, but it's the way you play the day you play as the old coach would say. And it's like, it, none of it really matters once they tip, you know, once they kick it off on, on Sunday, it's like, how do you play today? You know? And, and I'll say this, I think, and I've been saying the Niners are going to beat Philly and Philly all year because I just really feel like the 49ers, you know, part of them saying that, Hey, we, we would have won that game last year. Had our quarterback not go down is almost like challenging yourself to be like, next time we get a shot at that team, we're going to fire, you know, we're going to fire. So I think you're going to see the best of the 49ers. I would be shocked if the 49ers don't play well. Now, does Philly match them? The bounce of the ball, the, the, you know, I'll tell you the one thing that's really kind of disturbing is how few, how few penalties the Eagles produce. They just don't, they don't make mistakes. I mean, they, they, I mean, against, I mean, it seems like every game I watch, I mean, give you the penalty breakdown yesterday, 11 penalties for 80 yards for Buffalo, four, four for the Eagles. I didn't think Hockley's crew had a good day yesterday. Well, that's the one that, that, you know, and it sounds like sour grapes, but in reality, the, one of the most significant plays of the game was this play. And I'm going to, I'm going to share the screen on this one so people can see this play. This was Buffalo in the red zone. Um, and this was this is the horse collar. This is the horse collar that wasn't right. This horse collar never gets called. Here it is. And look at the, the, the jersey's ripped. He just shredded the jersey. I think it's a horse collar. Let's see this right at the end. Great job by Reddick. Let's take the uh, getting there, but Wait a second. Let's take the volume out of this. Let's see. Hold on a second. Just so we don't get YouTube copyright police, Larry. Yeah, we don't want anything bad to happen here. Okay, here it here it is. It's 10-7 Buffalo. They're driving to make it 17-7. Second quarter, 125 to play in the second quarter. And look at the jersey. Look at the jersey tear right there. But it's not that it's the it's the second hand that grabs the horse collar on the back end. And not only did the Bills not get this call, they then got the field goal blocked. So they got right. zero out of this possession. Well, and, and look in in a league. Watch this. Here's Reddick. He grabs him there, but then look at the right hand. Takes the horse collar, boom, no call. And no you got call a, at all. You, you got an official just staring at it. Staring at right at it. Staring at it. The and definition again, like, of the horse collar. He grabbed him by the back of his pads with his right hand, pulls the jersey, rips the jersey, but then horse collar off the back, throws him to the ground. No horse collar call. It should have been first and goal from like the four. And in, in a league that is right now examining how many backup quarterbacks are playing, and there's too many. And this is, look, this is one of the league's favorite sons right here. This is, the, the league loves Josh Allen. He's important. He does business. He he, uh, he he is the face of an entire franchise. And for him to not be protected in that moment is, I, I don't understand how the, the league 
you know, decides so many soft, oh, he might have landed on the quarterback a little. That's got to be, you know, personal foul, unnecessary roughness. How that isn't determined unnecessary roughness is just, it's inconsistent to the point of insanity. By the way, people who want to rip Shanahan for, they blocked Hassan Reddick with a backup tight end. Buffalo's trying to block Hassan Reddick with Gabe Davis here. Look at that. Gabe Davis on a reach block. He's Kincaid not doing a job there. Larry, that's not textbook right there. Kincaid's on a free release there. Reddick's ripping it to the inside. Now, it looks like Allen's, it's by design, right? Because they, they want to move Allen out to the right here. Um, but still, I mean, you're you're asking Gabe Davis to block Hassan Reddick. I mean, that's there's a mismatch. Reddick is a speedy guy. So, yeah, I mean, that I thought that was a big play in that game right there. Um, if they get the touchdown there. Now, of course, if you watch that game, I think the Eagles turned it over later there and the and uh, Buffalo got the ball back and did score a touchdown. So it wasn't like, you know, uh, but who knows the way that would have gone there. That's- Here's what I want for the 49ers game in terms of how it's officiated. I want them to let them fight. I, I, I want to let the teams decide this game. I don't want an overly officiated ticky-tack, hands-on jerseys, three, two yards past the release point. You know, like, I just, I want them to play. I want them to play. And, uh, and, and I think that the NFL deserves that game where these two teams are allowed to battle it out. Um, uh, you know, I, let, let's see. The amount of holding on Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Hargrave, what they're allowed to get away with, that is way too physical an offensive line to have just four penalties called on it all day long. But, hey, you know, maybe that's hometown Philadelphia cooking. I'll Um, tell you one other thing, Damon, is that at halftime of this Buffalo-Philly game, Jalen Hurts, 4 of 11, 33 yards, an interception and a fumble, they were... They were 0 for 4 on third down conversions. He had seven runs for 22 yards. So he basically did nothing in the first half to speak of, and Philly was down 17-7. What I want to see in this game is I want to see Shanahan keep the gas pedal down, even if the Niners get up in the first game or in the first half. Why? Because Jalen Hurts, I think, proved yesterday that he can come alive in an absolute blink of an eye, and he had a monster second half, and all of a sudden it's like you look up in that third quarter, Hurts to A.J. Brown for a touchdown at 17-14 Buffalo. Uh, Hurts to Devontae Smith, it's 24-21 Buffalo. Hurts to uh, Zacchaeus, it's it's 28-24 Eagles. And that all happened, you know, it's seemingly very, very fast. So, you know, the, the... have some proper respect for your opponent. And just because you might be able, your defense might be, it's kind of like, you know, go back to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Niners were keeping Mahomes and the Chiefs down. They got a little conservative when they got the ball back at the end of the first half uh, because they're like, hey, let's just sit on our lead. Well, guess what? Mahomes and the Chiefs are an explosive offensive group and they eventually woke up and they ran you over because you didn't score enough points. And it's like, the same thing can happen with this Philadelphia team. They can score quickly. They get into a rhythm. And so all I would say is if you get up and it's 17-14, 17-7, 17-10, and you're feeling good, don't 
start running the ball and being super conservative and trying to take the clock and you know this and that. no stay aggressive for four quarters because this eagle team can absolutely light up in a matter of a second or two and then all of a sudden you can't stop the momentum especially on the road at no point in time will the eagles consider themselves out of the game if they're trailing in this game <laughs> that's just who they are this year that is baked into that team's dna they do yep. not stop coming they're like frankenstein they just they keep coming forward and you got to respect it you really do jalen hurts is someone who you know can can have an underwhelming day with his arms and still overwhelm you with his legs and the way that his ability to run the ball just opens up so many running game options a running game that popped for like 185 yards yesterday um he really is larry the way that Tim Tebow, as great as Tim Tebow as a, of, was as a quarterback, what Tim Tebow was at Florida more than anything else is the single greatest goal line back in SEC history. And Jalen Hurts is one of the greatest goal line backs already in Eagles history. I mean, this guy is among the Eagles' all-time leading touchdown leaders, rushing touchdowns already. He is... He is, he's just a winner. I mean, there are some guys that, you know, we, I think we incorrectly attach the stat of quarterback wins to too many quarterbacks and just put it on them. You know, this quarterback is this record. This quarterback is this record. You know, quarterback wins are an unfair thing because it's a whole team sport. But at the same time, boy, does he earn them. He really does. Jalen Hurts earns this, the moniker of winner. Because it's insane how often he is standing in the winning column after playing a team, specifically a team that is over 500. Winners beat other winning teams. And that's Jalen Hurts' calling card, I think, in this league and in a career that's still very early in its own career. Jalen Hurts beats the game. Jalen Hurts wins the games that the Eagles might lose all the time. He really does. And Sirianni... He's a little bit, he's got a punchable face. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people think Kyle Shanahan's got a punchable face, but Sirianni's really got a punchable face. But he knows what he's doing too. He's he's a pretty good coach, man. He, so this is. Well, it, and then and there's no question. And Hertz is the guy that he, if you give him an avenue, if you, if you don't stay in your rush lanes and you give him a free lane, he's going to take it. And he knows when to take it. Plus then they mix in very, very well you know, design quarterback runs and, um, and then he's, he can gouge you. And then all of a sudden you're holding, you're sitting there and you're breathing heavy and you've been chasing this guy around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Niners have great speed on that second level with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. They're going to have to be absolutely cognizant at all times of where Hertz is in the pocket. And as soon as he takes off, they're going to have to beeline right at him and see if they can bring him to the ground. I mean, it's just, um, and then that's the, then he's a quarterback too. So you've, if you hit him too hard, then there's a penalty coming. So it's like that, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. They're really good at mixing in court design quarterback runs. He's really good at scrambling. Uh, if you get out of your run lanes and give him a, give him a free lane, he takes it. Yeah. It's just, you know, he fills in with it. They have great weapons, right? Now they won't have Dallas Goddard in this game. But I mean, Devontae, AJ Brown, 
Um, AJ Brown is the Hulk. I mean, he would have bought DeAndre Swift is playing very, very well. Kenneth Gainwell is a damn good player. I mean, they've got some really good weapons on offense and a terrific line. And then, you know, the one thing that that Philly, that Buffalo did well in this game is they kept Philly out of, you know, third and one, fourth and one for the most part, much of the day. They got Philly into some bigger third downs, and yet they still lost the game. If you get them into third and one or third, you know, you, you know, it, it's they're virtually impossible to beat. So you really got to do a job on first and second down. It starts right there. It's going to be the game of the year, Larry. 49ers, you know, they show up with their weapons. We're going to have ourselves a street fight. I, I really think it's as, this is one of those George Kittle games. George Kittle's got to have a big game for the 49ers to win this game. It can't be one of those three catches, 15 yards, maybe a touchdown. You know, he, George Kittle's got to go off. Ayuk's got to go off. Debo. Debo's got to have a huge game. And then there is the guy who we almost like just assume the game's going to be a great game. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, uh, Christian McCaffrey, I, I've seen you score multiple touchdowns an awful lot this year. You got another multiple touchdown game. Bring it with you to Philadelphia because the 49ers are going to need them. I think the 49ers are going to need 38 points to win this game, Larry. I think they're going to have, have wow. one of their most robust afternoons of offense because the Eagles are just going to keep coming, man. They they really are. They The Eagles can win whatever kind of game they're in. They win high-scoring games. They win low-scoring games. Uh, they can beat you. They're so scheme dynamic. I mean, they, they can beat you with a running game. They can beat you with their screen game. They can beat you with a vertical passing game. They can beat you over the middle. They can beat you in between the tackles, in between the guards. They can beat you outside the tackles. I mean, any way you want it. And I would say that that is very much a similarity that they share with the 49ers. The 49ers don't just have one or two tricks up their sleeves. They got a lot of sleeves and they got a lot of tricks up all of them. I mean, they're, they can do a lot of stuff. And I think that there is an element again of Kyle's playbook. We haven't even seen yet that he's been waiting to spring in this Philadelphia game. Don't you think that they got one, two, three plays that you just, we have not seen that we're going to see in this game. I do. I it's, and I also think it's one of those things where you, you might steal a possession somewhere. You got what's the best fake punt you got in your playbook, Kyle? Because oh, they never the Niners never a faked punt. I know, know. they, they so just never be, have. I know. So isn't that the perfect time to do it, especially with 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 Wishnowski being money in the bank in terms of pinning guys? To, you you got to do something that is you know, play away from your tendencies. The what do you think? Time to run a punt think? is when they ne- it was when you never run a fake punt. Yeah, no, taken by surprise, the element of surprise. What do you think of the spread? Did you see the spread? Where is it? Well, first of all, don't, before you look for it, guess it. Guess it. Get, give me give me the Damon Bruce organic guess without looking at the spread. What do you think it would be? It's week 13. Niners have a couple extra days to prepare. It's Niners in Philly Sunday. What do you think the spread should be? I'll say what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be Eagles by four. Three and a half. This sounds right. 49ers minus three and a half. Minus? Oh, no, no, plus. no. My, plus three and a half. It's 49ers minus three. Really? The Niners are three point favorites in this game. 
That feels like, remember, that's that's not Vegas trying to tell you who they think is going to win the game. That's Vegas trying to get 50% of the public to bet somewhere else, right? So, I don't, wow. Okay. Shocking, though. Shocking. Yeah. That's a shocker. That's I mean, a, that's a seven-point swing on what I thought it would be. Larry, I'll take the Eagles and the points. I mean, what are you kidding me? Just from a gambling standpoint, how can you not take a 10 and one team getting points at home? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Is that a statement about the Fletcher Cox? Is it a statement that, or is it the fact that the Niners played on Thanksgiving and were just coming off of a very impressive win that the entire nation saw, you know, is it, is it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't wow. know. How about wow. this one? We got a couple supers. Let's hit hit a couple of our supers here. Please, Flaves in the house. He says, "I wish I could get Javon Hargraves' honest opinion on who he thinks is the better team." Yeah, yeah. That I could ask that question. I could ask that question off, off away from the locker room, and he would still go politically correct on me. There's no way he's answering that question this week. Well, that's could you imagine? Could you imagine? No matter what he said, it makes headlines. Uh, James Foster, turnover differential. Niners are plus 11. The Eagles are minus two. You know, that's the one thing that it does kind of make you go, what? By the way, can I answer that question for Javon Hargrave? Yeah. The Eagles. The Eagles are the better team. They're the team that went to the Super Bowl. They're the team that won the NFC. They're the team with the best record. They're the team that hasn't lost at home. So the answer is the Eagles. The 49ers want what the Eagles have. That's the way this works. If you want what the Eagles have, if you want that reputation, if you want to be the team that every single team, that every single talk show host is talking about next Monday, A block, first segment, you beat the Eagles. Or you are the, this is the arrow that will be fired at Kyle Shanahan right up until he does win that big game. Kyle and the Niners can't win the big one. Like you're going to go right back to the same old talking points, talking points that still are not applied to Philadelphia because they win close big games a lot. They do. So the answer is the Eagles. There it is. I'm sorry, 49ers fans, but we're being honest. Like Larry and I are just the facts over here. And I think that (laughs) the the Eagles right now are the team that everybody in football wants to be. Or Um, we got, I mean, we had planned to do an hour, Damon, which is only 15 more minutes. I think we ought to push 15 more. We got almost 1,200 people in the room this morning, by the way. Lots of people dialed in to yourself and me on the 49er wake-up. Um, Keith Murphy from the un- the Unbeaten says, thought he's on, he's on rain playing a fa- – thoughts on rain playing a factor. Well, that's the thing. It's, I agree. I agree. It is a factor. And I think the, you know, if you said, what are the, what has to happen for the Niners to win Damon threw out one angle, I'll throw out another one. Niners have to play a clean game. They're not going to win this game, turning it over three times or two turnovers in the red zone. No, I don't buy it. They're going to have to play a clean game and the, the conditions are going to be a part of it. Um, you know, and that it makes it that much more difficult to play a clean game. One angle that I heard them mention late in the broadcast yesterday is that Philadelphia is 27th in the NFL on third downs on defense. 27th in the NFL. That's pretty low. 
Elite Archer 23 says the NFL is less trustworthy than the media. It's rigged. <laughs> there we go. Stop. <laughs> it's all rigged. It's a big, it's a loaded card game. Uh, but that was probably a reaction to, you know, the horse collar that wasn't there uh, in in uh, in the Buffalo game. Uh, but by the way, is Buffalo done after that? I mean, look at their schedule there. They probably are on the they're probably close to Dunsky. I well, I don't know about their upcoming schedule, but the upcoming schedule that I was looking at was the Eagles. And it look Niners at Cowboys. Look, here's the thing. The Eagles are through a chunk of their season that was supposed to take the starch out of them just a little bit, right? You had the Dolphins, then at the Commanders, where you have that funny division rival, and obviously uh, Jack Del Rio just uh, didn't survive the weekend. How about that? Jack Del Rio's got two of his better defenders traded, and then he loses his job. That doesn't seem very fair. Anyway. Frank Wright got dumped this morning as well. You saw that. I saw that. By the way, way to – He's a good coach. He is a good coach, and David Tepper is the most meddlesome douchebag owner right now. He's like, he is really looking to win that title because that guy has fired what? This is the third coach he's fired midseason in the last five years or something like that. Like, it's ridiculous the way that David Tepper is owning that franchise. Um, and, and people hate hate working with him, hate being around him. Reich tap danced around that throughout a few of his press conferences that I saw this year. Anyways, but the the Eagles right now, Larry, are in a stretch where they beat the Dolphins, they win at the Commanders, they beat the Cowboys, they win at Arrowhead over the Chiefs, and then they've just beaten the Bills. Now here come the Niners, then they go to the Cowboys, then they go to the Seahawks. That is a hell of a stretch to go through. I mean, that's that's like you're trying to play yourself through the SEC almost. It, in, in it the makes you wonder. At least it makes me wonder. Are they going to run through this gauntlet successfully and then get beat in the playoffs? Maybe. I mean, they, they do end with a uh, a very easy Giants Cardinals at Giants. They get to play the New York Giants in two of the last three games of their year and the Arizona Cardinals. So, look, if if they're going to catch two losses to put the 49ers back in a pole position to maybe host an NFC title game as a one seed, the two losses have to be against the 49ers and then the Cowboys. The Bills came awfully close last night to setting up, hey, that's how the Niners ended up getting the one seed, and then it came up short. And the Eagles won another close game. But uh, the, the, look, if the Eagles do look, if the Eagles if the Eagles beat the 49ers and then they go and they beat the Cowboys, oh, dude, I mean, dude, just they're and they get home field, but then maybe they get bounced. You know, weirder things have happened. Weirder sure. things have happened, and and you know what? It's all about it's all about being rested and ready in the playoffs. I mean, you could say that in some ways. You could say this is kind of a freebie for the Niners. They're going to the playoffs, most likely, right? Um, and they're probably going to have to beat Philly and Philly at least once this year uh, to go to the Super Bowl. Are they going to be able to beat Philly and Philly twice? I don't know. But, I mean, it, you know, they got they almost got a freebie here. They can, like, go see if they can get it done. They can't get it done. They're probably going to have another chance at it later in the year. Um 
but the Niners, if the Niners want to have the road to the Super Bowl roll through Levi's, which we do, um, they got to get this one. Wouldn't you say? I mean, this is a gotta have it game if you have designs on being the one seed. And it, to me, the one seed is so valuable. And it's not just for the home field, it's for the week off, it's for the buy. A buy in baseball is a bad thing. A buy in, in and you saw all those teams that had, you know, bought basically the, the uh, time off. They didn't look good in the baseball playoffs. In football, the buy is like necessary. So, you want that buy. And it used to be the two top teams got the buy. Now with the kind of reshuffling of the playoff picture, it's only the one team, the best team in the league gets the buy. And the buy is just so incredible because you see how much better teams are when they're rested. And if you can, any of these teams get a rest advantage and a first round buy, it seems like it's, that's a major, major advantage. It is. It is. And, and, the ship has probably already sailed on the one seed. It definitely sails away from you if you lose in Philadelphia. And look, if the Niners win in Philadelphia, then all of that, hey, they can really win the Super Bowl talk becomes for real. I mean, the winner of this game can win the Super Bowl. I don't know if the loser of this game can win the Super Bowl. But the winner of this game absolutely should be favored to win the Super Bowl over any AFC team, over the Ravens, over the Chiefs, over anyone. The winner, this is it. This is the heavyweight fight that we've been building towards all year. I think it's going to be the game of the year. It's oh. certainly got the, the well, consequences of the year riding on it. I mean, who if, if you ask Philly fans, what was the bigger game to them? Kansas City or this NFC Championship game rematch? What would they say? Well, I mean, because the way you're talking about two huge pelts, I'll always take the the conference win. The conference win is more important than not avenging the Super Bowl defeat to the Chiefs. What do you get the trophy back? Like, I mean, avenge the avenge me. Well, I mean, it's like the Niners are fascinated now with the Eagles. Why? Because the Eagles beat them. The Niners in the mid 90s were fascinated with Dallas. Why? Because Dallas beat them. The, you, you could argue that Philly's fascination, they might be, I'm not saying they're looking past the Niners, but I think they've got proper respect, but they probably have more respect for the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs beat them in the Super Bowl. Um, and that was probably the mountain that they really badly wanted to climb. You know, I, I don't know. I don't I know. Mean, I, mean, I, I think that there's a handful of teams that all understand like, hey, any given game, this handful of team can beat any of the teams in the handful. And the 49ers are in that handful and the Chiefs are in that handful and the Eagles are in the handful. And I don't I don't know if I'm ready to put the Jacksonville Jaguars or Detroit Lions with all due respect to their records in that handful. I think that there are a few teams here. And look, we got to do a little heavy lifting to keep the Kansas City Chiefs in this conversation, don't we? The Chiefs might have a better defense than they got an offense right now. Well, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, and this is what happens when you spend $30, $40 million on your quarterback. Suddenly you have to say goodbye to Tyreek Hill and you're looking at Marquez Valdez Scantling and all, you know, in Sky Moore. And yeah, the, I don't, the Chiefs' weapons, it's like take away Kelsey. It used to be like, okay, you take away Kelsey. Oh, here comes Tyreek. Now you take away Kelsey and you say, well, force him to go to Marquez Valdez Scantling, force him to go to Sky Moore. You know, force them to go to one of those guys, and and they're not as good. 
So, well, I mean, the, the argument, so it's funny. There are arguments around Purdy that don't get applied to other quarterbacks. Like, I, you know, you, you people who want to criticize Purdy, their very first criticism is, well, look at all that talent around him. I don't hear that about Jalen Hurts. And look at all that talent around him. And now that's a Nick Wright thing. I, I heard Nick Wright going, um, was it Broussard that was, that was talking about, hey, Joe Montana had Jerry Rice. Uh, and Roger Craig and Steve Young had, you know, John Taylor, Brent Jones, Roger Craig and, you know, Dion and all these guys. I mean, nobody ever talks about those guys having huge talent around them. Right. But all suddenly the here comes Brock Purdy and it's like, he's got Shanahan. He's got Debo. He's got Ayuk. And, and, and the audacity of some people to try to say that Brock was bad in this last game. If you said Brock was bad in Seattle, you don't know ball. It's simple as that. Well, you don't know and, ball. He made one, one tipped pass that became a pick six. Other than that, he had two other passes that were offline. The rest of the day, he was freaking throwing dimes. So <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're watching. Seriously, I watched. I've watched that game now. I watched it live. I've watched it condensed. I've watched it. Um, you know, again, from the TV copy, I've watched the all 22 start to finish. And I went th- through that thing with a fine tooth comb. Brock Purdy played his ass off. In he's, Seattle. A really, he's a really good quarterback. I mean, there's no argument to be made that he isn't. But just again, the, arguments, the, thrown at, the, the darts that get thrown at Purdy again, how come they don't hit Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes is a spectacular quarterback, but without all of that talent around him, I can't help but notice how much different the Kansas City Chiefs look. Now, you know, I was told all you need is an elite quarterback. Well, obviously, it takes a little bit more than just an elite quarterback, which Patrick is. Um, so it's just, it, you know, people people pick and choose what arguments they want to make. Look at this one. Like a buffet. Brock Purdy is trash. Trash. All right. You know, again, this that to me is not what? even a, a comment worth acknowledging that someone I in know, here. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Um, a couple more supers here. Let's see. We got a few more here. Uh let's see. Uh oh, Flav jumps back in. Hey Flav. He says, Okay, Damon, not who J not who Javon thinks is the better team, but I would love to know who he thinks would win more. If they put, played the best out of ten, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak for the man twice in one show, but <laughs> I mean, it really does. Like this, if if both these teams are who they we think they are, you know, one team would win six, the other would win four, one to five and five, right down the middle. I don't see a scenario where either of these teams is taken eight out of ten against the other, right? I mean, who's got a better official? Who's got a better whistle? Who hit the one play instead of missed the one play that flipped the field or was the the game-changing moment? And that's that's what it's going to come down to. Four or five plays are going to go a long way deciding who wins this game, who gets home field, who might go to the Super Bowl. Again, it's just you can't find a bigger game in your NFL schedule this season. No, it's gonna be a great gonna, week. Oh, it's gonna be an amazing week. An amazing week. By the way, this game yesterday against Buffalo was the fourth game in a row that the Eagles have trailed at halftime and won anyway. How about that? 
four games in a row. You can't uh, count them out. Gopher says after this game, 49ers are back are back to having the disadvantage and rest again. Seahawks play Thursday, uh, but the Eagles have the same deal with the Cowboys. Yeah, the Eagles get a rested Niner team and then they get a rested Cowboy team. By the way, his name was Gopher Broke. Did you see that? Gopher oh, Baroque. Gopher oh, Baroque. Great, great name. Like well, let's go back to him. Gopher Broke. Gopher I, Baroque. I, I appreciate the five bucks there. there you and go. we also have Elite Archer 23. So I'm wrong. So non-disclosure agreements for NFL media networks and players aren't a thing then? How much are you getting paid to suppress truth? All right. No, no conspiracy theorists. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> They, the, there they, was a second shooter on the grassy knoll. Well, there probably was. But so um, <laughs> the truth is that the NFL is so in bed with gambling that that can't happen anymore. OK, that can't happen. What what is the thing that is big enough to actually destroy the football's credibility forever? An element of don't confuse poorly officiated with that was rigged. And a lot of people do. And there's enough poor officiating where you would think the officiating is so poor, there must be something going on here. But Elite Archer 23, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. This is a multi, multi-billion, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of business are being done around the NFL. And it, it, there is no preset, predetermined winner for any game before it kicks off because that's what the script says. That does not exist. Stop it. Here's the thing. There, you, you just said there. It's a multi-million-dollar business. Okay, what do they do? It's a TV show. They sell ads. They want more people, not less people, watching their ads. I don't believe the NFL's rigged, but if you ask me, do you think the NFL's manipulated to retain the audience into the second half? I would say yes. How many times have I watched games in the last twenty years? where team A is beating team B badly. Uh, maybe it's, and it's a national, big national TV audience. And suddenly the team that's winning big has a huge play. How many times is that play called back? It just, and it's like, it's like they know if this game goes to 24, the audience goes away and we have less people watching our commercials. So suddenly there's a drag on the winning team and there's some kind of, penalty and that they don't get like in college. I watch a ton of football in college. You watch a random game. You're watching Wyoming against BYU and Wyoming's kicking BYU around. And then Wyoming gets a turnover late in the first half. It just, it, it just, it goes, they get a turnover in the first half and that's it. And then they, they kick butt by more, but in the NFL, it just seems like the team that's winning, they have a huge play right before the first half. That's going to make it a blowout. There's a penalty on it, and then all of a sudden we're all back watching the second half. It feels it, it feels, feels like that. that. I mean, I, I know exactly I know. what you're talking about. My you eyes fall on, yeah, my eyes fall on the same game in the same situation that you're talking about. And I think and I could be oh, wrong, but that's what it that's my perception of it. Here's the thing, Larry, your perception must be wrong because if you're telling me that we're going to officiate this game one way until the scoreboard says to do it another way then that means you're not going by what the rule book says. You're going by what the scorebook, by what the scoreboard told you to do, in which case we do now have rigged football games. So it can't, it's got to be coincidence. Maybe there's some correlation or causation or something there, but I mean, to say that it's rigged, it just, it, I, it's not. 
Well, we don't want to say it's rigged because we just don't want to say it's rigged. If it were rigged, it'd be 49ers Cowboys in the NFC title game every year for a decade. If it was rigged, because that's the biggest rating there is. 49ers Cowboys NFC title game, you can't find a bigger number. That's the biggest number there is. So, But the most questionable uh, play of what last year was the New York Giants against the Commanders. And suddenly that that bad call went against the commanders and went in favor of the Giants. And hmm, that's interesting. The bigger TV audience somehow, you know, favored them and they went into the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of right. money on the table. You're starting to sound a little Raider fandy right there. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Rigged against uh, us, gotta suppress us, keep us down, the nation. Uh, we got this one, Elite Archer. So I'm wrong. Okay, wait, okay, wait. We got that one. We got this one. Do we get this one yet? Media has an impact, Larry. You act like the lights went out during the Super Bowl when one team was getting killed or something. Come on. <laughs> Damon and I were sitting right next to each other during that one. Remember when the lights went out in New Orleans? It was Beyonce's fault. That was an amazing, uh, amazing moment there in New Orleans. It was. Ramon Gonzalez, best show in town, guys. Philly is tough and has a better kicker. But we stop the run, protect Brock, and zero turnovers. We can win. 94 Niners against Dallas again. Cannot wait with a little football emoji. By the way, I we started the show talking about it. I would do want to come back to it. The 59-yard field goal by Jake Elliott last night that put that game into overtime for the Eagles is one of the single greatest special teams play in the history of football. It yeah. really was, Larry. That Amazing. was... <laughs> You can't find, you can't draw up, you can't invent a more pressure-filled. Uh, what, what we always, uh, what do you, you during the Olympics, during diving competitions, they always talk about degree of difficulty. The degree of difficulty on that kick was a solid ten out of ten. You know, the Russian judge, the Chinese judge, the American judge, all agrees. Like, okay, that's the hardest dive humanly possible. That is the hardest kick humanly possible, and he freaking drilled it. So uh, uh, let me say this about and it would have been good from 65. Yeah, maybe, maybe one of the greatest um, kicks of all time. Wet, I mean, he it, absolutely wet stuck it wet football it, through the driving rain. It was like uh, a Vinatieri uh, where he never got more than 30 feet off the ground. And it, I mean, it was just an amazing kick. It was absolutely awesome. drilled it. That I didn't think he had it. And I was like, oh, he's not going to make this look at the Just everything's wrong about this. It's not going to go. Boom. So congratulations to Jake Elliott. Kick of the year. Kick of the year, without a doubt. Um, uh, let me just get a couple more of these okay, super Flaves says, weather and health are the only things that can stop the Niners. Our O-line is trash, but scheme is so good. Uh, the one seed just so important because of weather in Philly. I don't know if the O-line is trash. I mean, I, I, that's that, that might be a little on the harsh side. you got the best left tackle in the game right now. I think Banks is playing at a really high level. Got one of the best now, running games in football right now. Yeah, and and I think there's like 14 quarterbacks in the NFL that are more sacked than Brock Purdy. So I don't know about trash, Flav. Uh, I might be a little harsh. Flav says the media. Okay, we got it. We got that one. How about this one, Ramon? Got it. Got that one. How about this one? Go for broke. Purdy is the number one rated quarterback in the NFL. Number one in QBR. Number one in passer rating number one in yards per attempt, and number one in adjusted EPA per play. Again, I mean, if he had a starting point that was at the top of the draft, 
he would be a face of the NFL, much less a face of the franchise. And people would be fawning all over. The, they'd be falling over themselves like Oklahoma coming out of the smoky tunnel this weekend. They'd be falling over themselves trying to run up to him and hand him flowers. If Brock Purdy had been a top five pick in the NFL draft, people, their knees would be in all black and blue. They'd be blowing them so much. Ah, that's a terrible imagery. Terrible imagery, Damon. There I went with kid, There could be kids watching this show. Good morning, kids. Good morning, kids. Uh, that, that ugly moment there was brought to you by Damon Bruce. Subscribe. Uh, <laughs> who are the other quarterbacks in the Purdy draft? Let me just peruse the 2022 draft here. Just have to look at some of these quarterbacks. It's, they're probably, it's probably just a who's who of nothingness. I mean, it's a, it really is amazing that the Niners got him in that draft um, and and where they got him in that draft. Isn't it amazing when you think about it? The, if you want to say the greatest quarterback of all time is Tom Brady, he was overlooked. If you want to say that Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback of all time, he was overlooked. You know, if you, <laughs> Russell Wilson's probably a Hall of Famer. He was overlooked. Drew Brees is a Hall future Hall of Famer. He was overlooked. And now you got Brock Purdy and he's, you know, number one in all these categories. He was incredibly overlooked by everybody, including the 49ers. I mean, it's, it really is amazing when you think about um, the fact they got him. Kenny Pickett went 20th in that draft. He was the first quarterback picked <laughs> Kenny Pickett and um, Kenny Pickett's better with a new I offensive mean coordinator, but come on. By the way, so the first quarterback taken was at 20? 20. Desmond Ritter went two. He went number 74 in the third round. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. that just shows you that it was a bad quarterback draft. Malik you know, Willis, also the, the, round three. Malik the draft Knicks were concerned. I mean, it, normally a quarterback is one of the first five picks off the board if there's a, a real quarterback of circumstance. So, Matt Corral. <laughs> weird, weird year to evaluate quarterbacks, I guess. I mean, amazing, truly amazing. You know, uh, Bailey Zappi went in the fourth round. I mean, are we going to have a you know the Brady six? Are we going to have the Purdy whatever number that we come up with of quarterbacks here? I mean, that's that's uh, that's amazing. I mean, uh, let me let me ask you this, because we've talked about how Brock has risen from places unknown to turn into what he's turned into. And we've given a ton of credit to Kyle Shanahan for identifying this is my guy and not sticking with the higher priority draft that was Trey Lance and so on and so forth. What role does Brian Greasy play in this? Because you only talk about QB coaches when things go wrong. You only talk about offensive coordinators when things are going wrong. They're kind of forgotten when we come and, and hand compliments out. Brian Greasy is either a Svengali or a genius or about to be regarded as someone who needs to be elevated to offensive coordinator or head coach one year. I mean, how much, how much credit does Brian Greasy get for what we're looking at with, with Brock Purdy? Well, it's, and it's all tied together. Brian Greasy um, was there at Michigan with Tom Brady. So, you know, I mean, um, and Brian Greasy was a decent NFL quarterback in his own right. I, as far as as far as identifying Brock, I think Brian Greasy's part of their equation. I know that that uh, Greasy 
said that he liked Brock. Um, and, and how much did that sway the Niners? Um, you know, that it's told it, John Lynch tells a story that, you know, that one of the scouts banged the table and said, you know, we really, I really want this guy. Um, and I forget the guy's name, but we probably never should kind of like Larry Riley wanted Steph Curry, but yeah, I mean, there's the identifying of, of Brock in the draft. And I think definitely greasy had some hand in that. And then there's the development of Brock. I mean, I asked Brock the other day, what do you do when you come off the field between series? And he said, I go over to Brian greasy and he tells me what he sees. And then we look at the tablet and then I concentrate on my breathing and we go over, you know, what he sees in real time. Um, and, and then I get, I get my mind right to go back out there and, and execute. So, you know, I think Brian Greasy's had a huge hand in it. He's had a huge now. I mean, Brock Purdy's Brock Purdy. I don't believe that Brian Greasy made Brock Purdy Brock Purdy. I don't. I think Brock Purdy was damn good. Iowa State wasn't, you know, killing people, and suddenly Brock Purdy showed up in Ames, and they were. And then when he left, they went one and eight in conference. So I, I, I I'm not going to say that. You know, I'm going to give Brock Purdy um, credit first and foremost. But as far as the Niners identifying that Purdy was a good quarterback prospect, I think Brian Greasy had something in that. In that, and as far as developing him and helping him, you know, bring him along, um, I don't think. And, and here's why I think it, Greasy deserves credit here, is that I think Kyle Shanahan has created a, you know, an offense and play calls that obviously benefit um, Brock Purdy. Uh, but I, I I don't know that I would say that that uh, Kyle Shanahan is a is a Mike Holmgren like quarterback whisperer. I think he's more like his dad, who was an awesome play caller. Um, and 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 I think that maybe you need a guy like Greasy to you know to complement what Shanahan doesn't do as well. I think Shanahan's more of a awesome play sequencer designer than he is of a quarterback, you know, developer. Um, but I don't even know that. That's just what I suspect. In fact, one of the questions I'd love to ask this week is, you know, I've been kind of told um, on the record, off the record, that Mike Shanahan, who was there in Seattle and looked really thrilled when uh, when Ky- when uh, Purdy hit Ayuk for the clincher, um, that he has, that Mike Shanahan has a regular hand in what the Niners do. Why and wouldn't he? What, what a resource. Well, why wouldn't he? It's because he lives in a different city and and um, he's a retired coach and this and that. But, but yeah, I mean, you he's bring up a good point. Did, I mean, he was a great play caller. He watches and grinds tape. You go back and you watch any of those old Super Bowl reels where, you know, Steve Young is talking about the practice and the night before the Super Bowl over the Chargers when they blew their doors off and they were just like, all right, this play is going to do this. This play is going to do that. And then the third play is going to be a touchdown. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then that play is going to be a touchdown because we've set it up that way. And everything that they talked about came true. Like you want a guy like Mike Shanahan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's, it's it's it, 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 it makes it's, me it makes me as a 49er fan feel more confident knowing that Mike Shanahan could be having some say in their 
offensive play calling or play design. Um, I, I think some of the most genius plays I've ever seen in 49er history, going back to the, the one that sticks out in my mind. And I've mentioned it to Kyle in the past was the first score of the, of Super Bowl 29 when the Niners are playing the chargers and they run Jerry through the middle of the field against the zone. And he takes all the defenders with him and they basically got waters out of the backfield and he just follows Jerry on the same path and was wide freaking open. And it was like, I remember asking Kyle about that play and I'm like, man, I would love to see that play with Ayuk and uh, McCaffrey, you know, where you can just get Ayuk and draw the coverage all away and then dump it to McCaffrey on the same, same deal and let him just go. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, Mike Shanahan was an amazing offensive coach. I mean, if we had Steve Young sitting here right now, he could attest to it firsthand that Mike Shanahan was one of the greatest. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, Steve Young was there with Walsh, was there with Holmgren, was there with Tressman, was there with several offensive coaches through the years. I guarantee you, you could probably get Steve's assessment on Mike Shanahan as a sequencer, play designer, and I bet you he holds him in the highest of regards. What, you know, what father, son, look, coaching is the family business. Right. The way that quarterbacking was the Manning family business. Coaching is the Shanahan family business. And the old man is the best consigliere that you can have sitting at the table helping you come up with the right play. And I'm look, it's a resource that Kyle would be insane to not tap into. And I'm sure he does all the time. And you can and what do you and what do you think Shanahan is invested when they go to their cutaway? To, to to the elder Shanahan shots, you can you can tell he's got some skin in the game, man. He oh. ain't just watching his kid. Right, right. No, totally, <laughs> Damon. That is such a that is so true. He doesn't look like, hey, I'm here eating popcorn. Right. It's like, hey, I def- I designed this play. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, it, and, and if you're Mike Shanahan, I mean, think about it. You've got two little boys. I got three, three boys, four kids. When you've climbed to the top of your professional field the way Mike Shanahan has. And you've won Super Bowls. He won with the Niners. Then he went to Denver. He won with Denver. Um, he's a made man, right? He's like, and what do you, what do you, what does Mike Shanahan want more than anything in life? I guarantee you, he wants Kyle to win a Super Bowl. Oh, he wants that? Kyle to have the ultimate validation. And, and because he knows Kyle's a great young coach, but he also know Mike Shanahan's a, a smart enough guy to know that you don't get love in this world without pelts on the wall. Andy Reid ain't Andy Reid unless he goes to Kansas City and wins with Mahomes. Otherwise, he's just another another good coach who didn't get it done. But if he get if he goes to Kansas City and gets it done with Mahomes, now he's a Hall of Famer. Well, the same thing with Kyle. Kyle's a damn good coach. He's a Hall of Famer if he wins a Super Bowl or two. So I'm sure Mike's single purpose um, football wise is to help his son climb to the top of that mountain. What and- father, what father doesn't want their son or their daughter to exceed their own success? Right. That's it. I mean, that, that isn't, isn't that what fatherhood is? You want your children to do better than you, especially if they chose your field, right? 
you know, if you have your young kid, Jack suddenly becomes some great talk show host and he, and you're oh, sitting God there, forbid, Larry, God forbid. Oh my God. No, we can do better than <laughs> he, that. You're vacationing on some exotic uh, Bahamas Island with your lovely bride. And, and he's saying, dad, you know, I got a big show coming up and I, and I, what do you think you would absolutely be like, Hey, let me get the sands out of my toes. Let me put away my fancy drinks. Let me just go into a room. Jillian, I'll be back. I need to talk to Jack. I need to counsel him on this incredible show that he's got coming up. And you would take it very, very seriously because you would dream the dream for him. Absolutely. absolutely Here's what I would do, kid. This is you do it your way, but here's what dad would do. These are three talking points, and it might be time to pull the old run a fake punt bullshit out of your back pocket because that always works good on a slow week. I mean it, Larry. (laughs) No, that fake punt. No one's looking for it. Spring it, Kyle. Spring it. Spring it. And everyone's waiting for Wishnowski to have his little whirly bird uh, floppy disk punt of his and uh, run it, run it. Can that can can that Pollock throw an eight yard out? Do it. 